0: In the face of current events, it would be foolish to pretend the bad things don't happen. If you keep up with the news, you are constantly getting updates about the events in Ukraine. And even if you don't keep up with the news, well, you're pretty much guaranteed to be hearing about it from everyone around you every single day. I spoke to a woman the other day who told me that She cries almost every time she hears another update. And a friend of mine confided in me that she's had to take a step back from news about the war because the psychological weight of it is just too much. Circumstances like these, events like these, inevitably leave us questioning at at various levels. There's a level of factual questions, just the fact. What's happening now? What is going to happen? When will this end? Where will all the refugees go? How can I help? And then there's what you might call historical questions. How did we get to this place? Could anything have been done to prevent it? This isn't the first war or even the first war that has had global implications. How did people handle these circumstances in the past? And then there's a level of questions that are deeper, that are more universal in their nature. Why are the perpetrators, in this case the Russians, why are they doing this? Why are innocent people being hurt? Why is God allowing this to happen? When we get to that why question whether it's about the war in ukraine or other global or national events or the smaller scale but still important tragedies in our lives and communities when we get to that question if we're honest really honest we naturally want to come up with answers that help us feel safer we don't want to face the knowledge that Had circumstances been oh so slightly different, that could just as easily have been us suffering today, or it could be us tomorrow. So the most common answer to come out of that desperate need for a sense of safety is to look for a way to blame the people being hurt. Now again, this is not limited to the war in Ukraine, and I will say, I doubt there are too many of us who are blaming the Ukrainians right now, though perhaps there are some people who are thinking that way. But this is something that we humans do at the big global level, but also also at other levels. We do it at every level. We do this in our personal lives. It's heartbreakingly common For someone who is going to report domestic violence or even just confiding in a friend about it, to be asked what they did to provoke their partner. Or for someone who has been sexually assaulted, to be told there must have been something they did that invited that unwanted sexual contact. This sort of reasoning can even have um, a faith-based logic. In the Old Testament, God does frequently punish nations by having other nations attack them. And on the other side of that equation, he promises to protect the righteous. In light of that, it would make a certain sense to ask, could there be some sin at the root of these events now? Well, psychology calls this a just world fallacy. And society calls it victim-blaming. But is it biblical? If so, we know that the Bible must always supersede culture. When the Bible and uh, the world around us are in conflict, we must submit to the authority of Scripture. So we have to know, does the Bible support this interpretation of terrible events? Our gospel reading today speaks directly to this issue. In this passage, a group of people approach Jesus to tell him about something truly horrible that happened not far from there. Pilate, the governor put in place by the occupying Romans, has had his soldiers kill a group of devout Israelites who are sacrificing to God. Kill them while they were sacrificing to God. It's horrible. It's completely wrong on so many levels. So it's understandable that these people coming to Jesus are angry and upset and perhaps they're coming to him with this idea that when they tell him it will provoke this righteous nationalistic anger in Jesus that will then affirm their own feelings on the matter. But there must have been something in their words that Jesus recognizes as that just world fallacy, that wondering what sin merited such a terrible fate, because that is what he chooses to address. We have to understand that that perspective was as common then as it is now, perhaps even more so, In fact, there are other circumstances, other stories in the Gospels where the disciples themselves come to Jesus and directly ask him whose sin is behind someone's suffering. You see, the Bible does give examples of time God punishes people by afflicting them. Although it also gives examples of times when people suffer for no good reason just because the world is broken by sin, pulled apart from the wholeness of Eden. And as is so often the case with us humans, it seems like the people in Jesus' time paid a little more attention to the one type of example than to the other. With that cultural context in mind, it's not surprising that this question would have been in the minds of those approaching Jesus, whether or not they directly stated it this time his response abends that whole idea, and he does so very forcefully. He drives right at that question lurking beneath their decision to approach him, and he lays bare their assumptions, declaring them to be unfounded. But his response is more than just, no, 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 those people who were killed were wonderful people. It's not their fault. <laughs> No, he takes that assumption about sin and turns it back on his listeners. He says it's not that those who were slaughtered unjustly were wonderful people. It's just that their sin was not exceptional because everyone is a sinner. All the people listening to him are sinners too. Now, at this point, I want to remind you what we said earlier One of the reasons we humans so consistently go back to this lie, we fall into believing that victims are at fault, is because we are afraid that the same things could happen to us. If we can blame the victim, then we know that we can control our lives so it doesn't happen to us. Then we can feel safe. So this is not to say that everyone who suggests this idea is consciously thinking those words or doing that mental math, but that underlying this victim blaming is a search for security and control in an unsafe and uncontrollable world. So when Jesus points out the sin of those around him, and in fact in all of Judah, he is going beyond just pointing out a faulty assumption he is making clear the dangerous idolatry that underlies that whole way of thinking, the quest for safety outside of God. He says, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. The very thing they fear, the thing that is driving them to try to assign blame to the victims in this massacre in a way is true without repentance they cannot know god and without knowing god they can never be saved one way or another they will perish and whether it is by injustice calamity sickness or just the slow progression of time they will die and that death will be no less tragic than the death of those killed by pilate if their physical death is merely the precursor to their spiritual death. Now, I do want to make it clear that what Jesus is saying here is not that, you know, um, if you know God and become a Christian, then he is going to save you from all danger and tragedy. That would just be another form of that just world fallacy. Now, what I'm saying is we all live in danger because of sin in the world. And the true danger of sin, the danger of separation from God and eternal damnation, well, that danger is also universal because we are all sinners. It is that eternal and far greater danger that Jesus saves us from. And it is that salvation that gives us security in all circumstances, even when we face suffering and physical death. To bring it back to the story so jesus is telling his listeners this and he's telling them that when they heard about that atrocity instead of examining the victims for sin or honestly even the perpetrators they needed to examine themselves they needed to say i too face this danger i too am capable of this great sin Jesus's words apply no less to us now than they did to his listeners 2,000 years ago. Right now, we're inundated with this bad news about Ukraine, but honestly, even if everything there weren't taking place, our news would still be filled with violence, whether physical or verbal or otherwise. We would hear about tragedies from our friends and neighbors. We would drop our papers on the floor. It'd be terrible. We would even face tragedies in our own lives at one point or another. When we hear these sorts of things, they do raise questions within us, and that's all right. There's nothing wrong with having questions. But if we allow those questions to lead to self-righteousness, to self-righteous anger, or to assuming that the suffering is rooted somehow in the actions of the victim, then we stray into sin, because we are assuming that we are somehow better. And because we are seeking safety in our own ability to control our lives. The truth is we are all sinners. We are all capable of great sins. And sometimes, yes, we do face the consequences of those sins In our personal lives, in tragic circumstances. I mean, it could be a great relationship that was ruined by a lie or betrayal. But more often than not, we face those terrible things simply because the world is broken and sin, not just in our lives, but just in the world, the very existence of it. Sin has shattered God's good creation at every level. The truth is, we are all sinners. And we are all sufferers. We are all sufferers. And yes, some people do suffer more in this life than others, but I doubt we will ever have the reason for that, at least not on this side of eternity. All that to say, we must be on guard against judging the victims. What's more, though, It's not just the victims we need to be careful about judging. We also need to take care when judging the perpetrators. Not because we should not call out sin, we absolutely should. Hear me clearly on this. It is never, never okay for innocent civilians to be harmed. It is never okay to use the death of children to demoralize your enemy. It is never okay. It is never acceptable. It is always sinful and never righteous. And we should say that very clearly. But what we need to guard against in our judgment is assuming that we are better. Did you know that in the aftermath of World War II, a Jewish psychologist, some of you may have heard of this, it's called his name was Stanley Milgram, uh, this Jewish psychologist decided, reflecting on what had happened to his people and watching the Nuremberg trials take place, he decided that he was going to do an experiment to see just how far everyday people were willing to go when they were under orders. So what he did was he would get these participants and he would tell them that they were doing a study on learning and that their role was to give a shock to another participant when the person got the answers wrong. Now, the shocks were all fake. It was just an actor on the other side of a speaker. Um, But the people thought it was real. The real experiment was to see how high of a voltage they were willing to go to before they stopped and the machine, the fake shock machine that they had was marked at different levels, and it had a point where it became dangerous, and it had a point where it was marked with X's to indicate fatal. Well, before he started this experiment, Milgram wrote to eminent colleagues around the country and asked them how many people they thought would go all the way to the dangerous levels. Well, almost without exception, they all wrote back and said, everyday people are good, they won't go that far. Well, a full 65% of the participants went all the way to the fatal level, the final shock. And an even higher percentage went to the dangerous level, though they stopped before that final shock. Unless you think that there was some sort of flaw in this experiment, it's been repeated over and over dozens of times in a wide variety of ways, with strikingly similar results. My point is, we are all sinners, and we are all capable of great sin, no matter how impossible it may seem to us right now. So as Christians, when you drop your papers, when you hear about these terrible events, when you hear the news about things like Ukraine, your first response should be to say, Lord God, have mercy on the victims. Have mercy, protect and defend them. Your second response, though, should then be to say, Lord God, convict the perpetrators. Convict them of their sins and bring them to a place of repentance. Bring justice, bring an end to this situation. But you shouldn't stop there. Your third response should always be Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. The good news is that God does have mercy on us. Even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our capacity for sin, which God knows so much better than we do, God offers us mercy and forgiveness. And God does hear the cries of people suffering unjustly. We may not always understand his timing or his ways, but God is the just judge and the merciful Savior, both now and forevermore. Amen.